Hello everyone, it's the Wine Hour, the talk show that removes your wine anxiety. A warm welcome to all of you. Three weeks ago, we started the Wine Hour in the middle of the Russian invasion of Ukraine. Today, we live in a different world and all our thoughts go to the people of Ukraine. People want to support the country because they are appalled by the terrible human toll, but also because the fight is about self-determination, democracy and independence. If many are so keen to defend these values, why haven't things changed closer to home? What about equality, fairness, respect? Then I thought of our special guest, and all the many women and minority leaders realizing what they must have gone through to reach where they are. People cheer when you're on the top, but it's a different song on the way up. Real change is hard because it requires to us to confront who we are. This morning, by chance, I was reading this passage. What the nation does is done also by each individual. And so long as the individual continues to do it, the nation will do likewise. Only a change in the attitude of the individual can initiate a change in the psychology of the nation. Carl Jung wrote these words in December 1916. But change is hard. Empathy is hard. Overcoming prejudice is hard. Ukrainians are giving up their lives for freedom and justice. Are people ready for the safer change to learn to live together? Because in the end, this is what makes us humans. Here's the menu of today's show. First, in on cork, Jamie, Akosh, and Ray will argue about the question, do you prefer them old or young? And of course, we're talking about wine. Then in License to Taste, Tanisha will invite you to discover the wines of Ukraine. In the Wine Minute, she will tell you her story of an American in Paris. And finally, in Have a Drink with Me, I'll have the pleasure to welcome our special guest, Filana Bouvier. Now, before we start, let me introduce you to today's cast. Coming from St. Helena, it's a marvelous honor, privilege, and pleasure to welcome the truly inspiring Filana Bouvier. Thank you. Wow, what Filana. an introduction. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. How are, what are you drinking? I am drinking our Le Grand Haas uh, Champagne, so Blanc de Blanc oh. from Chouy, uh, which is tasting fabulous. And uh, I love champagne, anyone that knows me. Uh, I think champagne is an everyday occasion and it's not just a celebratory one, but yes. uh, today is very special because I get to spend it with all of you. And I see so many Thank familiar you. faces on this. So I'm Thank grateful. You. Thank, Thank you. you. And now they're back. It's the moment you all have been waiting for. They make wine interesting, fun, controversial, even funky. Coming from our global virtual studio, the one and only Wine Dream Team. And today we're going to be starting in St. Elena, right next door to our guest, our birthday lady, Jamie Orajo. Thank you. How is our birthday lady doing? Very well. Uh, had a fabulous party on Friday and um, managed to bottle our Noisette 2019 today. So it's a good week. Nice, nice. And now, still in the U.S., working day and night from New York City, Mr. Ray Ive. <laughs> How are you? What are you drinking? Um, I, I'm going to have to hide my head in shame because I'm, I'm drinking a uh, LaCroix lime-flavored mineral water. <laughs> Fair it's enough. Not mineral water. This is sparkly. Zero. It says, I love the marketing. Zero calorie, zero sweetener, zero sodium, innocent. 
What, is, what does that mean? Innocent. It's apparently innocent. You're um, not sinning, my son, I mean, <laughs> by drinking this. You're, you're I'm gonna go home, innocent, Ray. <laughs> go home and sin later with a martini. So, you know. <laughs> but no prejudice. Anything, we accept everything in this show. Now, across the pond, coming from London, the man for whom love is always at first sight, Mr. Akos Fortek. Good evening, Akos. Good evening, everyone. Did you bring the big guns again? Oh, yeah. What's the point otherwise, right? Exactly. Exactly. And now, from Paris, she makes wine as easy as ABC, Tanisha Townsend. <laughs> Good evening, Tanisha. Good evening. How are you? I'm doing great. Seeing you, all of you, we're in a good mood now. Everything is fun. We're here. Yeah. We're good? Yes, in good spirit. Good. Mm-hmm. Now, if everyone is ready, grab a glass of wine, innocent drink, champagne, water, tea, chai, whatever it is. A toast to all of you. Cheers and enjoy the show. Today's encore is about young or old wines. Who wants to start? I was annoyed. Uh, don't rush. <laughs> okay. No, okay. I knew while, I was going to start. You're putting, while you're putting the, your thoughts, I'm going to run a poll. Okay. And uh, we look at the result um, afterwards. Okay, so, <laughs> yeah. Anyways, <laughs> it doesn't I matter. Think, <laughs> I think my answer, you know, to young or old wines is yes. Um, <laughs> absolutely. Well, although I have to say after a after, after certain age, it's... Uh, quite interesting uh, to discover how there is a convergence of taste. And um, I remember all my life, the first really old wine that I tried was in 1937, I think, uh, Burgundy that was given to me as a gift, or maybe 34, I can't remember now. And and I didn't know what to expect. And uh, the wine was great. It was, it, it was good. And, and then years later, I, discovered, I, I got a, a Cote Roti from that same era. And it, the two of them reminded me tremendously of each other. And, uh, and the wines were very, very similar. I would, have, I would have not been able to, to pretty much tell them apart because after like 60, 70 years, the wines kind of come become very similar in terms of taste. So I had a super similar uh, experience with uh, Burgundy and Barolo. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so so just, 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 to, just to make it clear, before, before we, we, we move on, okay? Yes. Old or young or both? Let's start. Filana. I love both, but I, I just recently, uh, Carlton and I actually just recently shared a beautiful bottle, 2005 Jacques, together um, with, a, with a business partner of ours, and it tasted beautifully. And if you also know any of our domestic wineries, uh, if you take a look at Heights, I mean, our older vintages are phenomenal. I mean, they're known for their ageability, and also the Burgess vintage wines are fantastic. So I like older a little bit, I think. So 2005 is considered as an old vintage? Um, well, for me, it is. <laughs> but we're no, talking I mean, in, in, in the France. 70s. I can understand in the 60s and 70s and 40s, yes. But uh, I think for me, it would be. <laughs> right. Jamie, old or, or, old or young? You know, I think it's a very interesting question because I think for a long time, there was this idea that like young was 
sort of not as serious or not as important and old was was much more, you know, appreciating old wines or, or getting old wines was somehow, um, there was more kind of status attached to it, I guess, or sort of gravitas attached to it. And it's been really interesting. I love old wines personally. I actually really enjoy some of those different characteristics that come out, but I have a lot of people who come through our tasting room who just don't. They've tasted them before. They have the money to buy them. Um, they might even have the space to sell them, but they just don't like it. They prefer the, the fresher fruit flavors of a younger wine. Um, they don't like the sort of earthiness or, or some of the more umami characteristics you can get in an older wine. And it's really fascinating to see the two things kind of becoming more equal in the mind of the consumer. Okay. Ray? You know, I, I, I was going to say the the best wines I've ever had have been wines that have some age on them and, and reason, a reasonable amount of it. Uh, on, on, the, on the other hand, the most disappointing wines I've ever had have been wines with a fair amount of age on them too. Um, because not even wines that in theory should grow old gracefully don't always do it. And so it's a, it's a tough call. I, I totally agree with Jamie that consumers... Well, one, very few people have the ability or the, or the real estate to age a lot of wine. I mean, we, you know, Food and Wine has a giant consumer audience. The percentage of people who have anything beyond like a 50 bottle tiny wine fridge is minuscule, um, you know. And, but at that said, if you have a 50 bottle tiny wine fridge, you can devote two, two shelves to aging wines. Um, so it, it, it can be done, but it's not, um, I think the wine business occasionally forgets that most people just don't put wines in cellars. I think it's also something to think about is you always remember who you have the bottle of wine with, I think more. So it might not even matter if it's an older or young, uh, younger or older bottle. It's really the person you have to get to have it with that you remember. That's probably more special, I think, that goes along with it. I always try to have really old wines with really old people. And <laughs> so are you having more old wines or uh, <laughs> oh, so now I've got another year of age on me that we can actually share some of those old bottles. Yeah, absolutely. Wrong. <laughs> I'm going to drink a really young bottle with you, Ray. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So Akosh, you, you talked about that experience of that old wines, but do you prefer in your daily life older or, or younger wines? If you ask me the same question about 15, 20 years ago, I would have definitely answered you that I prefer every wine older. I believe that in the last uh, decade and a half, uh, especially in the European, uh, in, in, in Europe, uh, the European winemakers have made massive improvements in making their wines approachable at a young age. Whereas if you looked at, for example, I mean, when I first uh, started drinking all the wines, it wasn't on my budget. It was when I was working for Hennessy. And in those days, uh, I'm talking 92, 93, they were just stucking, you know, starting the 55s, the 59s, 61s, because, you know, anything younger than that wasn't considered to be undrinkable because the wines were harvested in, you know, more lower maturity. They had a lot more oak in there and they overloaded the wines with all sorts of stuff. And then eventually it took 20 years for the wines to come around. 
you try today the younger, you know, even the even the premier grand cru classes, the top wines today, you 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 drink a 2016 wines from Bordeaux, they are actually quite delicious now, you know. And yes, of course, I'm with Ray, you know, I have had the greatest experience of my life where like the you know, very old wines and in you know at tremendous disappointments as well. But young wines in uh, the way I look at wine is that is, is really of the big wines work in my opinion in the following way is you drink them young or you leave them for 15, 20 years because they seem to go into hibernation and then they come out as a completely different thing in the uh, afterwards. So when um, Filana, for example, mentioned uh, the 2005 Dujac, 2005, a lot of Burgundies are just not showing well at the moment. And it's, it's been for such a long time, it's like 17 years later. And, you know, some of them will still be in hibernation. And it's really hard to do. And I ask this question from many winemakers, how do you know when they come out? They like, just have 24 of them and keep opening them, and then you know when it comes out. <laughs> <laughs> so how do you, how do you well, define gosh. what is old and what is young? Is it five years, 10 years, 15 30. I think it's a very relative question because it also depends on the wine, right? Yeah. If you're talking about a Sauvignon Blanc, five years might actually be considered relatively old. Whereas if you're talking about a Cabernet, be it Napa or Bordeaux or somewhere else, you know, you're probably 15, 20 years plus. Yeah, it's very variable. I mean, you know, I don't think there's a right or wrong answer, though. I think it's based on what you like, right? Mm -hmm. I think it's really based on what you like. And if you really like the wine, then you really like the wine, despite what the critics say. That's the one thing that makes no wine offense, Ray. universal. It has to, right? Wine has to be universal. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not, I don't rate wine, so I just write about it. <laughs> <laughs> but I think to Akash's point, though, it has been a really important um, piece of the evolution of winemaking, um, even here in, in Napa Valley, to be able to create wines that can age for a very long time and are approachable young as well. So we can yeah. actually cater to both publics. Um, one thing that I think I never realized until I did um, have the great good fortune to have a lot of older wines um, is that uh, they're much easier on your body. Uh, so wines with sort of 15, 20 or more years on them, I find uh, the next day um, I am much brighter uh, for the same quantity of wine consumed um, red, uh, versus young wines. Red specifically or both? Um, both, actually, both. <laughs> and obviously part of it is alcohol because, right. you know, alcohol does tend to wander off as the time goes on. But I do think there is something about the way that the wines are integrated um, that just is easier on the digestion. Yeah. I've, always, I've always also wondered if the if just the polyphenolic content dropping out of reds makes them... Mm. Yeah, more digestible, it's easier, easier for the body. And you're right. I mean, um, you know, I have the privilege of drinking the greatest wines of the world of all sorts of ages. And it's true. If you drink great wine with age, which is perfect maturity, I mean, I love it because you can drink a lot more of it and you feel <laughs> good. <laughs> <laughs> so here's the result of the poll. So the question was super simple. Do you prefer old wines, young wines, or any wines? So 30% said old wines. Uh, young wines, 8%. Okay, any wines, 62%. Well, that's interesting. That's interesting. What question concerning, concerning the, the consumers nowadays? A lot of people are looking for instant gratification. 
is that a, is that a reason why some people are trying to to go towards more you know producing and selling the younger wines? Is there an influence of the consumers on what the industry is doing? The industry is for cash flow reasons. That's very simple. <laughs> Sell the wine because they need the money. Otherwise, they would be to sit on the wine, you know, for a very long time because it's 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 a lot of money. You know, those who can afford it, they do it. But there's very, very few of them who will just bring out currently the, you know, the 2005 or 2010 vintages. There are a few families who can afford it, but not many can. Yeah, but I also do think, and I'm speaking definitely for an American audience here, but I do think that in the last 20 to 40 years, um, we've developed a wine consumer who's just used to drinking younger wines and actually has developed a palate around that and enjoys them. Um, and I've, I've, I've had the experience on multiple occasions where older wines have been brought out and people say, oh, it's, there's something wrong with it. It's spoiled. It's not good anymore um, because it is into the tertiary characteristics. Uh, and there's not the same education around older wines, understandably, because there aren't as many of them and that people don't have access to them. But, um, you know, you think of all the, you know, the main um, critics and publications are all usually talking about current vintage. So the vast majority of, of people are reading about current vintages, maybe one or two years ago, um, but there's not a whole lot of education and, and information around older wines and, and drinking them and enjoying them. I think also, you know, the, the, I mean, the, certainly in the U.S., the vast majority of wines are, are, are purchased and drunk within a day or two of the purchase. I mean, that's, that's, but if you, if you separate out for, let's say classified growth Bordeaux, it, it shifts that equation quite a bit. Um, yeah. You know, the, the, you know, I think the statistic is something like 92% of American wine, of wine in the U.S. is bought and drunk, you know, on, on, literally on the way home from the grocery store or something. Um, <laughs> and, but that's, oh, and, but a large percentage of wine in the U.S. is, supermarket wine. I mean, it's, you know, it's when you separate out for fine, what quote unquote fine wine, then you start to reach an audience that, that at least might be interested in, in aging the wine if they have the capacity and time for aging it. I think also, you know, I, I think it's easy to underestimate um, that people buy a bottle of wine and, it, and, and they're excited to drink it. You know, it's very hard to sit to take it and put it away for five years and not drink it. And if you buy a case, that works well. But if you buy, and a lot of people come to Napa and they buy two bottles of of, of Jamie's wine, and and you know what they want to do? They want to go home and drink one of them because they they're excited about it. It's it's uh you know it's, it's this fulfills that that excitement about the wine. Uh, and, and Ray, that's actually a really good point too. Just in that what we're talking about right now is is already like hugely rarefied air in terms of the entire market. Yeah. So, because I mean, you're not going to be whatever aging a box of wine. Um, Actually, my entire cellar is full of boxes of wine, and I'm I'm standing by that. <laughs> hard. Actually, this being said, I've never done it, so I stand corrected. It may be a really great way to do things. I it's all rosé too. I'm just going to point out. <laughs> hey, you know what? Because I know um, you're drinking old vintage. Bun is like one of my favorite wines. So <laughs> true. Uh, One recommendation is um, what my wife told me um, years ago is um, when you want to really age some wine and if you have a cellar, hide it 
Because when you're drunk and you go down and you start rummaging around and say, oh, my God, I really just wanted to try this wine. And the next day you said, oh, my God, what did I do? Why did I open this bottle of wine? Obviously, it happened several times. So now I'm really hiding them behind everything I can do. So just leave the bottles you want to drink, you know, without impunity out. And the other ones, just hide them away or just put them somewhere where you can't have immediate access to it. Although be very careful because I have a friend who has a wine shop in New York and he told me um, one of my favorite stories, which was there were these two young men who came in with an empty bottle of, uh, I believe it was a 69 Margot or Latour and said, hi, I need to buy a bottle of this. And he said, uh, yeah, no, that's not going to happen. Like he said, no, 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 no. We took it out of my dad's cellar. We just have to replace it before he gets home. <laughs> no, you have any idea what you've done? What about yeah. the notion of living for today, though, and just wanting, why, why suppress yourself and hide things from yourself when you know you're going to enjoy it? Because yeah, you'll well, enjoy it more later. It's the marshmallow experiment, right? Yeah. Isn't it part somehow of the mystique of wine, that aging process in which, you know, you let it there, take its time, and it's part of the, you know, the romantic aspect of the wine part? Pointing is when you age, it happened to me. You age the case, and I followed this, you know, you open a bottle, <laughs> it's too young, you continue, you continue, and you arrive to the last bottle, and you say, my God, the wine is perfect now, and that was your last bottle. That yeah. is really pissing me off, you know? <laughs> <laughs> It is true, though, that, it, you know, I, I get emails every now and then from uh, readers, I guess, who, who have, you know, their grandfather had a bottle of, of, you know, Chianti from the 1960s and they found it in the attic and they want to know what it's worth. And there's this assumption that because it's old, it's it's both better because it's wine and because it's old, that it's better and worth something, which obviously is not the case no. you know, for most wines. And and it's it, it, before I got in wine, I worked in the rare book business and you would, you would, um, you would always get people coming in with old Bibles saying, you know, I've got this really old Bible. It's undoubtedly worth a lot. And, you know, the immediate only thing you can say is, well, it's the most printed book in the world. It's just not that rare, you know? And um, so it's, there is this something about wine that the idea of age makes people, you know, that they do have this idea that wine is supposed to be aged, that it's, you know, it's, it's, it's better if it's been aged, um, which is not true of all wines. Um, well, and you bring up a good point too about cellaring. I mean, it's yeah. all well and good to have an old wine, even if it could potentially be wonderful and great when it's old, if it's been kept above the stove for 40 years, then it's probably not so much. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so in the industry, is it going to go towards providing more and more uh, younger wines or keeping the old wines with them so that they release them only when they have aged properly for not people to, you know, store them and, and keep them home. Yep. What is the so trend the right now? Came out with that. They, they only release vintages um, that they believe are ready. And so they're not actually in sequential order because they believe that some years become ready earlier than other years. Um, and I mean, it's a great idea. It's wonderful for consumers because even though, yes, they're paying a premium, but Latour's taking on the job of, perfectly cellaring the wine. Um, so, you know, you're getting something with great provenance, uh, perfect provenance. Um, but yeah, to Akash's point, I mean, if you don't have Mr. Pino's buckets, uh, I think it is a very difficult thing to finance. <laughs> but, you know, honestly, you, you don't need to go to Pino's level, but I mean, you, you can look at the Trimbach family. I mean, they are not at the level of Pinot by a stretch of imagination, but they release their wines 
you know, 2012 vintage has just been released. 2013 has just been released. So they sit on it, and then when they, you know, when when they top cuvées are ready, that's when they 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 release it. And and that's the case. I mean, okay, you know, you can go to other wineries like Vega Sicilia. They do they do similar things. But I think that overall, Antoine, your question being that. Uh, I do believe that there is definitely a tendency of drinking the wines younger. And that is because the lead time, uh, the, the, the pace at which we live life today is so much faster and we have no time for anything and people have no time for anything and the young generation even have less time for that. And they have no, as, as Ray pointed out, they have no space to, to, to do that. So they get the bottle, they do it, they open it, they drink it. And Filano is right live for today maybe it's not the greatest experience of your life because you don't know what it's going to be like 20 years from now but you know what you don't know what's going to happen 20 years from now so you might as well drink <laughs> you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow <laughs> right <laughs> well and even though there's a lot more wine being made in the world there are a lot more wine consumers as well so yeah. i think it's just it's it's structurally changed the industry um to what it used to be I, I have noticed, and in California particularly, that there are more wineries, at least to their wine clubs, selling library releases. That 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 has become a, a standard thing as opposed to an unusual thing. That a lot of wineries have a, library releases that are ten or twelve years old or something like that. And partly that's uh, more wineries keep back wine. I mean, it's it's a cost to keep back wine because you could have sold it. But it's it's interesting. And also, I mean, what Akash was saying, totally true about about you know, Trimbach or, or um, Hugel both do old releases. Grand, Cru, um, Grand, Grand Reserve of Rioja, you know, um, is six years right there. And, and many of them release it late. I've, you know, I've, I've done pieces where I've said, if you want to try older wines, there actually are older wines in the market that, um, that you can find that have come straight from the winery fairly recently. Um, and it's, you don't have to keep it in a cellar for 10 years. And there's a, yeah. Yeah, so, so yeah, you keep I, the young ones, think... sorry, you keep the young ones for your daily consumption, and then you keep the, you know, the older bottles for the very special occasions, something like that. <laughs> well, but I think, Ray, what you're, what you're noticing is something that's happened because of places like Heights and Burgess, um, yeah. among others. I think we're finally realizing, because the Napa industry is relatively young, um, we're actually realizing that, oh my gosh, these wines from the 50s, 60s, 70s are absolutely extraordinary aged beautifully. Um, and so a lot of wineries are deciding to keep a little bit back to, to create a library and be able to do library releases because all of a sudden we realize that we can do it and it tastes good. <laughs> yeah, okay. So good, young, old, as long as the wine is good and you have it in the great company, it always, it's always great. Before we leave, your thumbs up and thumbs down for the past three weeks, the next three weeks, <laughs> let's start with Jamie, the birthday girl. Oh my gosh, my thumbs up. Um, definitely my party on Friday. It was hilarious. Um, I created all these spaces so people could spread out and not be next to each other. And everyone was in the kitchen on top of each other, like so happy <laughs> to be together again. So um, yeah, birthday party or super spreader event, you tell me. But Nobody has declared COVID as of yet, and it's Thursday, so I feel like I'm safe. So it's good. So you're safe. You're home safe. Um, but it was really magical. It was wonderful. Um, and to see so many people in my new home was um, a very amazing thumbs up. Uh, and my nice. thumbs down is, is honestly uh, the continuing situation in Ukraine. I think it's horrendous and yep. needs to stop. 
now. Great. Um, thumbs up. I went to World of Pinot Noir in Santa Barbara um, a, a week ago or whatever. Um, big wine event. A lot of people there. Everybody was extremely happy. It was nice to be doing wine <laughs> seminars for an audience that was actually in the room again. Um, you know, uh, it was Feel human beings. I can human see beings I can together see. having I can a good time. You. I mean, it's. It's quite, you know, and wine is social and it's, it's, you know, as much as this is social being on Zoom, it's a pleasure yeah, being with a group of people. Um, and so that was, that was a, a definite positive um, up, I would say. And then down, and I mean, I, I don't even really have a, a, a dog in this fight, as it were, but man, the price of gas in California is high. <laughs> I mean, New York is normally the most expensive place on the planet, and um, and you guys have us beat by like a buck fifty a gallon. So, so that was Get that was, a hybrid. That, that was a shocker. They didn't offer me a hybrid. It hurts. <laughs> Very annoying. I think, or someone else took all the hybrids. Cycling, so, yeah. <laughs> an idea. So yeah, electric or hybrid. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to cycle around Santa Barbara County from now on. I uh, push. But, so my thumbs up uh, and thumbs down is basically the same story. I had a conversation with an old friend of mine who I've known since 1993, who is stuck in Kharkov in the east of Ukraine uh, with his wife and being shelled on every hour, every minute. Uh, and that's kind of like the thumbs up and thumbs down in one because thumbs up is that he's alive. But we had to interrupt the conversation because he had to run into the shelter. So I have, for the first time in my life, and I hope I never have to do it again, I posted on Facebook images that he asked me, that he took himself, his videos about the neighborhood where he lives, uh, about burnt out houses when there's no military objects or anything else. And he asked me to put it on Facebook and spread the truth so that people can forward it back into Russia so that people can see what's going on. So it was a very emotional day today, but you know what? He's still alive. So that's a good one. That's a good news. Thank you, uh, Jamie Akosh. And Ray, we'll see you in three weeks uh, on April the 7th. Now we are on to License to Taste with Tanisha Townsend.